Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here. Um, I'm incredibly thankful and grateful for the opportunity to be standing in front of you today. If today is your first time at Bethel Christian Assembly, welcome to the family. I also want to welcome those that are joining us online as well. I'm not sure if it's live stream today, but I just uh, welcome everybody online. And um, also thankful to Pastor Mike. He's not here, but uh, I'm thankful that he had me in his thoughts for Mother's Day. Uh, when he called me, I had to kind of pause. <laughs> and he said, are you there? I'm like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> So uh, some thoughts went into it and prayers for sure, and I'm, and I'm thankful. Uh, so Pastor Mike, I know you're listening. Uh, thank you so much. And Angela, happy Mother's Day too as well. Uh, I'd like all the mothers to, can you guys still hear me? Okay. i like all the mothers in here to stand up. I mean, you don't have to. How many people know that um, to be a mother, um, you don't have to physically have children to be a mother? God has called us to be mothers. He has ordained it right from the beginning of time. We have spiritual children. We have adoptive children, too, as well. i like all the mothers to stand up just for a brief moment. Let's appreciate them. The men around, please appreciate the women. These are gatekeepers. We bless God for each and every one of you. Welcome. Welcome. Happy Mother's Day. Have a seat. All right. So, uh, as Bryce said, I, I have a mother. I'm, I'm a mother, and I, I, have a, I had a mother. Uh, my mother has gone to be with the Lord for about 19 years uh, this year. Um, and I know that uh, she's up in heaven smiling. Um, and uh, I'm so grateful uh, for the opportunity to be standing here today. I have three children of my own. I have my wonderful husband. As my sister, who is sitting in front today, this is a real treat. She, she normally doesn't sit in front, but she's here to uh, be my cheerleader, I guess. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'd like to kind of start off with, and, and again, to the mothers, motherhood is a, it's a big job. It's, it's a job where there is no retirement. It's, it's for life. It, it really is for life. Um, you're a mother no matter what season you're in. You're, you're a mother and, and, you know, most kids when they're sick, they always think of their mothers. I mean, the fathers too as well. We don't want to discredit what they do as well, but typically, you know, I want my mama when I'm sick. You know, I think of my mama when I'm sick, right? Um, and the mothers can attest to that. And we're thankful for mothers because they're gatekeepers, right? Uh, they're, Without them, we will not be standing here. Each and every one of them, each and every one of us had to come through our mothers. So, so we salute you and we appreciate you. Um, a couple of weeks ago at home, I like to tell stories. So in between, I'm going to be telling stories. And sometimes I use stories from my own life um, because I think it's more real. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I'd like to share one with you. A couple of weeks ago, my husband was making hamburgers at home. And he was using one of those charcoal grill. And it's very, if you've never used that, it's so awesome to use that because it, it really just gets into the meat of, of whatever you're barbecuing. And it's, it's really good. Um, so he was doing one of those. And we had finished. And he said, oh, I'm going to be stepping out for a few minutes. And uh, can you make sure that everybody has, you know, disperse it, essentially. 
So make sure everybody has a piece of, you know, a certain amount. So I said, yeah, sure, I can take over that. So I discovered when I opened the fridge, we only had three buns left. And I thought, uh-oh. Well, as a mother, things to do, I thought, well, the kids were hungry. The two boys were there. My daughter had gone to gymnastics, so she wasn't there. My mother-in-law was there, too, at the time. So I quickly, I took the buns. I put, I put the patties in the, in the, in the buns, and, and I split the buns, and the boys had the three. And I thought, well, the rest of us will just kind of wing it with whatever is left in the fridge. <laughs> and so my husband comes back home, and he says, well, where's all the buns? I said, well, it's done. <laughs> and he says to me, this is, these were his words. He says, uh, so who's supposed to get the best? I thought, is this a trick question? I thought, well, we all, we're all supposed to get the best. <laughs> he said, well, and then he didn't say anything. And then, uh, and then he, I guess much later, he had something to eat. And while he was sitting at the table, my daughter was sitting at the, across from us. And then he said, well, you know, I really thought I was going to get, you know, you were going to leave one bun at least for me, right? And I thought, well, the kids were hungry. It's a mother's thing to do. I split the buns. They were hungry. The rest of us will just wing it. And my, my daughter looks, she was looking at him as he was saying this. And he says, well, well, before the kids, I, I was there before the kids. And we all kind of laughed. <laughs> Moral of the story is, you know, grown men also need to be mothered. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, eh? I know. <laughs> um, I'm going to be reading from, uh, if you can turn to your text, I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 16. And I'm going to read the entire uh, scripture from 1 to 15. So Genesis 16 from 1 to 15. Now Sarah, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. After Abraham, Abraham, Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she convinced him. She, sorry, she conceived. conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that, is beside, it was, the spring that was beside the road to Shaw. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much more that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord said, you are now pregnant and you'll give birth to a son. 
you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hands against him, and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave his name to the Lord who spoke over her. You are the God who sees me, she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bel Larohin. It is still there between Kadesh and Berad. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Sarah was born to Ishmael. Um, I was thinking of a title as I was reading the word, and the Holy Spirit dropped this title. Uh, if, we're, if you're one that takes note, it says, Seen with Laughter. Seen with Laughter. Now, I, I, I really wanted to read the entire scripture, and I'll go back to little, I'll go back to certain verses. So if we jump to verse 2, so this is um, Abraham as we know him, the father of many nations, and Sarai, as her name was uh, um, termed at the time, and then later changed to Sarah, mother of many nations. And we are all descendants of Sarah. Um, in verse 2, so Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And now if we backtrack to verse 15, Genesis chapter 15, uh, Abraham at the time was childless for many, many years. He had no child. The Lord had blessed him all around. He had, he had land. He had cattle. He had sheep. He had all kinds of things. But he had the one thing, the very thing he desired was a child. And he didn't have a child at the time. And... Um, you know, Sarah was also waiting for that promise. Um, he had a promise because if we go back to Genesis chapter 15, God said to Abraham, because he said, you know, Abraham had this conversation with the Lord. He was having a dialogue and he said, Lord, you have blessed me with all these things. I have cattle, I have land, I have sheep. But the one thing that I do not have is a child. Will Eliezer, Eliezer at the time was his slave, Will, will he be the heir to my throne? And the Lord said, no. Um, it says, the, the, the Lord said, no, Eliezer will not be your, 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 your heir. Rather, your child will come from your own body. So that was the promise that the Lord had given to Abraham. And um, if we jump to Genesis 16, verse 2, uh, we see here that um, Sarah had her own plan. She says, since the Lord isn't moving, I'll quickly take action. I'll take over the process, and uh, I'll make it quick. Sometimes we have our own plans. The Bible declares that we have our own plans, but God has, it is God that establishes the plans. And God already established this from the beginning of time that there will be a promise, and the promise will come through Sarah from her own body. Even though we know at the time she didn't believe the prom, well, she knew the promise was there, but she wanted to speed up the process. So it says, she says, I can build my family through her. God already told Abraham, he said, a son is coming from your loins. And um, the Bible says in Genesis 15 verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteous. What are you believing God today for? What are you believing God today for? If we go to verse 3, it says, you know, Abraham 
you know, like any good man, Sarah said, well, I'll speed the process up. This is my slave. I want you to sleep with her. Abraham wanted to make his wife happy. He did. He truly did. Yet he knew there was a promise. He was willing to do what it took, even sleeping with a slave woman. He loved her enough to be able to make that sacrifice. And uh, he did so. And she, the Bible says that she conceived. In verse 4, when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she despised her mistress. Sarah said to Abraham, in basically paraphrase words, uh, it's your fault. It's your fault. I give this woman to you. Now she's pregnant. It's your fault. <laughs> in verse 6, you know, Abraham didn't want to get in the middle of two women having an argument. He said, well, do whatever you want with her. She's your slave. Whatever you want, do with her. So he took the cautionary side. <laughs> but then again, if we look at that scripture, the Bible declares that um, Sarah took action and she sent, she sent um, Hagar away. But I wonder if this was an opportunity for her to be able to mentor this young, young woman, maybe first-time mom. We don't know a whole lot about Hagar, but we knew she was a maid servant. And we're assuming that this was her first time having a baby. Maybe this was her first time having her baby, being pregnant, going through all the pregnancy symptoms. And maybe perhaps Sarah would have missed the opportunity to be able to mentor another young mom or another young woman. Motherhood is a journey. It's a big job. And like I said, no matter what season you're in, it's a, it's a job where there's no retirement and it's a job where you need the Holy Spirit. I'd like to tell the story of a young mom that I met one time. You know, when my kids are, my kids are now uh, a little bit older now that uh, if we look to the corner, there's usually a box there and most Parents who have young kids are always looking at that box because your number could be called, right? And that's a sign for you need to go get your kid. They're screaming, they're yelling, something's happening, they need your attention. And so um, it's, it's a nice season that I'm in because I don't look at that box as often as I used to years ago. <laughs> I always used to sit at the back because I knew they were going to call my number. God has blessed me with two boys that have really strong lungs and... Uh, I always had to be ready to the point where I had to volunteer. I followed them through their classes. It's a true story. So I remember one day I was, I was, you know, standing at the back as usual, walking with my son. You know, he's running and chasing after him. And uh, I observed a young mom who was with her son. And she carried her son. And he was kind of flaring arms and just didn't want to stay still. And I could just tell from her face, from everything. She was just frustrated, right? And I, I just got it. As, as another mom to another mom, I got, I got what she was feeling. And the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, you know, I need you to do this. So I went up to this mom, and she, she, sure, she wasn't expecting that, but I said, you know, I whispered, and I said, you're doing a great job. And you could just tell, like, she let her guard down. She was just... 
Like somebody gets it. <laughs> and I said, you do. I know it's not easy because some days, and then I said, talking about my own child too, and, and uh, you could just tell that she needed it that day. You know, it was one of those days where, you know, you're, you're coming out the house, you know, the kid's throwing up or something's happening. You know, you have your shirt on backwards. I've done that, yeah. <laughs> Mothers know. <laughs> and uh, she just got it. And how many, as I look at this room, we have seasons of different generations of mothers in this room. And from young moms to great-grandmothers to grandmothers, and I see seasons. And what an opportunity to be able to mentor another young mom or to see a kind word to another mom or to a mother-to-be or a spiritual mother or to be a mother to, to other mothers. What a great opportunity to, to be able to do that. And I pray that even as you hear the word today, and as you look around you, whether it's here in Bethel Church or out in the community, um, to say to another mom, you're doing a great job. Because it's a job where, yes, you are the superhero, um, but it's also a job where sometimes you feel like you're not the superhero. You're changing diapers. You run the kids out to different activities. You're doing all kinds of stuff. You're the, you're the night ninja, you know, the cleanup that has to be done at night when the kids are sleeping and everybody else is doing something else. They wake up in the morning, everything is prepared and ready to go. And fathers also do the same. I don't want to discredit that. But usually the mothers are thinking two steps ahead. What are we going to eat for supper? What are we going to do the next week? What are we going to... You know, what, what, what are we going to get ready for the trip? Camping trips. Those are something, eh? <laughs> Mothers, no. <laughs> so if we go to verse 8, um, the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? Now Hagar found herself in the desert near a spring. She was in the desert, yet she was near a spring. Such two opposite spectrums. But she found herself in a place where, you know, she was just in a desert. You know, the Bible says, she says, the angel of the Lord says, where are you coming and where are you going? I want to say to a mother today that the Lord is concerned about where you're coming and where you're going. He's very much interested in knowing what is, in, what is on your heart. You might be in a desert place today, whether you're taking care of a, a sick child, you're going to one hospital after the other. Or whether you, you know, you've had to sacrifice your child going on a missions trip and you don't know what that's going to look like, but you know God has a plan. Or whether you've sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice as well of having your child perhaps fight for the country. Or whether you have to send your kids off to, to university or send them off to school. No matter how big or no matter how small the worry is, just know that God is concerned about what's on your heart. He knows what's on your heart. Or whether you're still waiting for that promise. He's very much concerned about what's in your heart. And he knows. You might not see the spring near you. Hagar was in a, she was in a desert, but yet she was near a spring. Be encouraged. Because God is concerned about what's in your heart. Or whether you're, you're, you find yourself in a place where you never knew your mother or you never knew 
um, your mother was never there for you. Just know that God has you in his heart. Where are you coming and where are you going? Hagar replied that she was running away from her mistress. The angel of the Lord said to her in verse 8, Go back to your mistress and submit. Who are you submitting to today? Go back to your mistress and submit. Who are you submitting to today? Ultimately, there are so many books out there about motherhood and, and how to get ready and, you know, different authors. But I'll submit to you today that the journey to motherhood really comes from the Holy Spirit and him guiding, to, guiding you and leading you and directing you. And when you submit to him, when you submit to the King of Kings, when you submit to the Most High God, when you submit to the Almighty Father, he will guide you and he will lead you as to where you need to go and how you need to deal with whatever situation you find yourself in. In verse 8, verse 18, it says, the Lord sent his word. Um, I'll, sorry, I'll jump to Genesis verse 18. So I'm just going back a little bit to the promise when God actually gave Abraham the promise. He says, the Lord sent his word in the form of three visitors. So one day, Abraham was sitting by the tree in the cool of the day. And it was also very hot as well. And there were three visitors in the form of an angel that came. Well, they came as humans, but they were really from God. Um, and then they came and Abraham saw them from far and he rushed and he welcomed them. And he told his servants, he said, you know, prepare something. Prepare the best lamp. Prepare the best meal. Get them ready for our guests. Our guests are here. And Sarah was behind a tent, and she, she kind of looked at the visitors, and, um, and she was kind of hiding there, kind of listening to the conversation. So after they had something to eat, and they were well fed, they said, to, they said to Abraham, then the Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you this time next year. Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So that was the promise. Now he says, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Sarah and Abra and S Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed at herself, to herself, and she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, now I'm to have this pleasure of bringing a, a child or children into this world. You know, I just picture her, you know, her, the conversation with herself, like it's absolutely impossible. There's just no way. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for God? Absolutely nothing. I will return to you at the appointed time next year. Sarah will have a son. Your son might be in the form of a promise. Yes, you are a mother. You have a role to play as well. But beyond that, God has called you to much greater, to raise the next generation. Whether it's an adoptive child, whether it's the promise, whether it's your own biological children. It says, is there anything too hard for God? 
And then if we jump to Genesis 18, verse 15, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. <laughs> God Almighty sees everything. <laughs> and she said, and he said, yes, you laughed. I heard you. Is there anything too hard for God? God says he'll return to you at an appointed time. What are you trusting him to do? Sarah had questions. She looked at her physical being and said, it's not possible. There's no way it's written anywhere that it's possible. It's absolutely impossible. Or whether you're a mother and you have to juggle the art of uh, going to school and raising your family. And coming from an immigrant perspective, that's a whole different dynamics. Because you're coming here and you don't have those connections, those community connections. Where we're from, I'm from Nigeria. It takes a village to raise a child. I believe the same is true here too as well because we need community to be able to raise our children. And, but when you come from where we come from and you, you leave your home and your community and your extended families and you don't have those connections or they come here but they come temporarily. We have our grandparents that come but uh, um, sometimes it's for a short stay. And in some cases that's even non-existent. So it's DYI, do it yourself. You kind of have to work as a team with your, with your husband or with your partner. Or if you're a single mom, you're doing it on your own. And that's a hard thing to do without the help of God. Sometimes you're doing that juggling school and raising a family. I'll interject with another story. So um, I also had the experience of going to school and raising my family and I never thought I'd be the one. I mean, I have two degrees, so I should explain better. Um, so I graduated with my first degree, and then I went back to school again. And um, this time around, I was already a mom of a young one-and-a-half-year-old. And then the Lord was so gracious to us, and he gave us another child. And I was almost done my, uh, my schooling at the time. I think I was almost, I was in the middle of my last year of practicum of all the times, but I bless God because in due season, he has made provision for everything. Um, so I thought, I remember when I uh, found that I was expecting, I went to my husband, I opened the door and I said, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> how am I going to raise a child? I'm almost done, my practicum, like, how, like well, what's going to happen? And he said, well, we'll do this as a team. And we did. Uh, it was not easy, mind you, because that meant, you know, he had to, take a lot of, and he was also going to school at the time, so that was double. That was double the work. We had to kind of juggle daycare, and at the time we were living in Winnipeg, so unlike Brandon, where you can get a place is 10 minutes, most places, in Winnipeg you're talking 30 minutes to an hour from one end of the city to the other end of the city, so we had the pleasure of doing that most days, and, and that time we only had the one car, so I was taking the car because I needed that for my practicum. So that meant he had to take the bus to, to go to school, um, you know, wheel the child in the, in the stroller and all that. Uh, but uh, I remember when I gave back to my son in the middle of, I had to pause a little bit. I had the baby and uh, I took a few months off, just a few because I wouldn't even say a few, I would say a month. And then I had to go back to my practicum. That was not easy. That was another sacrifice. I thought, is this really worth 
you know, because, you know, as a new mom, you want to bond with your baby. You want to spend time. You've had nine months to carry this child, and now you have to kind of let go to, be, to look at the future and a better future, the sacrifices of having to juggle that for a better future. And uh, my husband said to me, well, yeah, I'm going to be here. The one thing I can't provide is the milk. So your job, just keep pumping. And I pumped, my goodness, in different places too. Just pump the milk and I will feed the baby. And the baby was looking good by the time my practicum was done. Because he fed that baby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a season. So the Bible declares in, in Genesis 21, when Sarah later got to her promise, uh, she finally had her name at the time was now changed from Sarai to Sarah, mother of many nations. Verse 6 um, in verse 21 says, Sarah laughed publicly. She laughed out loud, you know, what God had promised years later. Um, the, well, a year later after that, she got, uh, after waiting for so many years, she got her promise. She thanked God when she saw the evidence of her promise. So no matter where you are, perhaps you've been waiting on God for that promise. Perhaps you're a single mom and you have to carry the burden of two, two, two people. And you have to raise that child and you're not sure how you're going to do it. God has, he has you in mind. One thing I will say is, yes, we all have our biological mothers um, my story as a mother will not be complete without helpers on my way. I had a lot of helpers uh, along the way. And if we don't mind putting up that picture, God will send helpers your way. Ooh, that's a picture of my mama, the one in front. She's the one with the checkered clothes right there. We look alike, don't we? My sister is here, so she laughs. That's my mama. I was trying to look for a picture of one where she was a bit, um, but this was a younger version of my mama. She was probably in her 20s, probably her late 20s. And uh, she was in a big city at the time. She had just come back from Canada. And uh, she had to raise, uh, I, have three, I have four siblings, so she had to raise us all, all up. And uh, she had a, a very amazing role that I appreciate so more now that I'm a mother. And it, I think it's something that just evolves over time. Every, every season of motherhood, I appreciate more the job that she had to do. And uh, she raised me, and she did a great job. And I know that she's smiling wherever she is. And she did the best she can. Talk about sacrifice. My mother was a simple, just simple, down-to-earth woman. Um, I mean, if, if anybody ever knew her, she had a heart of gold. She would, she would give anything for anybody, and particularly for her children. She would make sure that we had the best of everything, and she would sacrifice that even to her own demise sometimes. Um, and she was just down-to-earth, and I have so many memories. I mean, I, we could stand here all day talking about her, but... When I look at her, I think of, you know, the warmth in her smile, for sure. Um, she just had a smile of gold. Um, just when, when she smiled, everything's just, your world is just okay, right? 
She was hardworking. She was industrious. She was a woman that had so much, so much heart and passion for her community. My mother could gather, she gathered, she managed to gather all the neighborhood kids. You know, at one point she was on her, she was, you know, she, she struggled up and down with her weight and she would always kind of, you know, it started with us. We, we were the, the first, we were indoctrinated into her walks. And I think that's partly why I like walking today because I just enjoy that now, but I think it kind of stems from that because she would go, to, she would go for walks and she would, she would get us all as kids, not that we needed to lose weight, but she needed company. So we would start walking with her. And then sooner or later, she got the neighborhood kids and we were all walking together. My sister is nodding her head because that's so true. We were walking, we were walking with her and that's kind of how, you know, she, she was able to kind of, she just had this glow, she had this glue to be able to, to capture her audience. She was, she was, she was just everything and uh, she was also my best friend and she was my confidant. And so it was, it was a very difficult time when she passed um, 19 years ago today not today, but 19 years ago, it was a very, very difficult time because even the sacrifice of having to let me come here at a young age, that was a huge one because I had never left her sight in the sense of leaving, not to talk about leaving the country, uh, to come to another country uh, for a better future. Uh, but she understood that God had a promise and to God be the glory for the things that he has done. And, and, and I want to talk about other mentors. I had many mentors uh, aside from my mother. I had Mother Muti. Uh, she was a Muslim woman who opened her home to me uh, at a very young age. And when I was, I was needing a place to stay, she provided a home and uh, fed me and made sure that I had everything I need. And uh, she was a wonderful. She's, she's, still, she's in Toronto and I stayed with her for many years, her and her family. And I want to believe that you know, she ought to have, you know, a mother plays a significant role because sometimes when those conversations happen, because when the request came for a need for a, uh, for a host family, uh, I want to believe that she had a conversation with her husband and the husband said, what do you think? And she probably said, yeah, if we can, if we can, we'll do our part. She was a Muslim woman welcoming a Christian young, young lady into her family. That's not something that's easy to do. Um, she could have easily said no. I don't think so, but she never for one day um, imposed her religion on me. They allowed me to go to church every Sunday, and what a blessing, what a blessing. And uh, she, I'm so appreciative of her and the sacrifices she made. And as from one mother to another mother, from she never actually even met my mother, but she spoke to my mother lots over the phone. This was back in the day before, you know, before we have phones and FaceTime and all that. So she, you know, she was able to do that. And uh, my mother was writing emails to her and she showed me an email that she, my mom wrote to her and she said, you know, you take care of her like you would take care of your own daughters because she had three daughters herself. You take care of her as you would take care of your own daughters. And she did just that. I had so many other mentors. I had mother Helen as well. Um, she was also very helpful, you know, she, is a wonderful woman who I stayed with too for many years and I just, she did many things for me but I specifically remember her coming down, she used to work, she's a nurse, she, she worked up north and she still does that till today but she lived in Toronto so she would fly to Manitoba to work and for a couple of months and then go back home. 
So when I had my third child, um, I didn't really have that help, and I had two little ones. And uh, she said to me, I was talking to her, and she said, you know, do you want me to come? I said, I know you're working. You have to go back to your family. You've sort of been out from your family for quite some time. And she said, I'll come. And she left her job, didn't go back home, flew straight to Manitoba, stayed with me for a couple of days that were gold mine days because I don't know about you, but if you're a young mom and you have two little ones, you haven't showered in days, you know, you're, you're trying to find your left shoe. It, it's chaotic. It's chaotic, right? And she came down for those days and they were like, just for me to be able to just sit, right? And uh, she took care of the kids and she did many things, even within those few days, went shopping with me, cleaned my cupboard out, did all kinds of stuff. And I'm appreciative of her uh, as well. And my motherhood story cannot be complete without my husband. Uh, he's also my mentor. How many of you know that motherhood is also something that evolves? Um, you know, you, we certainly, when we're raised by our families and our mothers, we have certain, um, you know, certain things, and we do certain things the way we, they've always been done. And I think my husband has done so well in challenging that in a good way and, and let, helping that to evolve over time. And I'm thankful to him for that as well. So he's also my mentor because he kind of, we had to DYI, do it ourselves. So him being the inquisitive type will always ask questions and, you know, was always kind of encouraging and supporting and saying, you know, go to those post-mom groups and he would come with me and ask questions. And you would think that he was the mother because he, <laughs> he would ask all these kinds of questions. So when the baby coughs, what are we supposed to expect? Or when the baby coos, or when, when there's colic, what are we supposed to do? So those things were, were very encouraging as a young mom. And uh, even, as, even as we've gone through different seasons, uh, motherhood has taken on different forms. And, and through those, those words of encouragement and different ways of help, helping that to evolve, evolve has been extremely helpful. And so I close today and I encourage mothers, wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, wherever you find yourself, just know that God has you in his heart and you can submit to him whatever you're going through. You can rely on him to raise your children, even when it's frustrating. And as the children grow, they grow through different seasons. And um, each season brings its own. And you sure need the Holy Spirit. I know I, I need the Holy Spirit um, to raise my children, my spiritual children, and my adoptive children. And I am so grateful for the opportunity that I have the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And I want to just encourage you today, if anything of everything I've said today, from one mother to another mother, Happy Mother's Day. God has you in his heart. He knows your heart. He knows the midnight tears. He knows the midnight worry. He knows your heart. He knows the sacrifices, the sacrifices that are selfless sacrifices that you make on a daily basis. He sees your heart. You're seen with laughter. You're going to be you're, just like Sarah. You're going to laugh and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what he's done. Look what he's doing. And it'll, it'll, the Bible says it is marvelous in our sight. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your loving kindness. I thank you because you are God all by yourself. 
Almighty Father, I thank you, Lord, for the mothers. We're so grateful for our mothers. We're grateful for the courage that they had to be able to bring us into this world. We're grateful for the courage that they had for whatever decision they had to make. We're grateful. We're thankful. We're thankful because you see, you see their heart. You see a mother's heart. You see when we're down on our knees and we're praying. You see the midnight tears. You see, you see us even in our joy. A mother at her best is nurturing, is caring, is giving. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all the mothers, all the mothers that have been celebrated today here at Bethel Church, in our community, all over the world. We are appreciative of them. You have given them to us as gatekeepers. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for helping us to raise the next generation. We thank you for helping us to raise our children. Holy Spirit, do what you do. Do what you do, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the Most High God, do what you do. Jesus. Jesus. I pray for that mother. I pray for that mother. I pray for that mother who has seen. Hagar says, I've seen the one who sees me. He sees you. He sees you. Wherever you are, he sees you. Receive him. He sees you. Rest in him because he sees you. He sees you. Wherever you are, he sees you. Receive him because he sees you. Oh, precious Lord, we just bless your name. Bless your name, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.